Hello and welcome to ESPN's The Bar Post podcast. We are back for an express post after the first leg of the AFC Olympic qualifiers and it was a good first leg. The Matildas started things off with a 3-0 win over Uzbekistan. We had a beautiful goal from Michelle Heyman, from Mary Fowler and from Caitlin Ford. So three things we absolutely love to see. A win, we love to see. Everyone's feeling good. Spirits are high as we head into Melbourne and the second leg and God willing... Olympic qualification. So we're going to dissect this game a little bit as we look ahead to the second game and just kind of have a little chat. Shouldn't be a big pod at all. But before we get stuck into it, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's Express Post, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, girly pops, win, good, goals, good. First half, but we'll talk through it. So let's discuss the game as a whole and basically what made the first half so and then the second half so pleasant and good and winning. There's there's never been a start to a second half that's quite that's felt quite so like this team got a rocket at half time than this game. Like, did everyone else feel that watching them come out in like the 46th minute? It's like chance, 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 chance. I know Caitlin Ford comes on, but yeah, the the first half. I think you said it off air pretty well before, Marissa. They created chances. They probably should have scored at least one. Um, but it was still like 75% possession, four shots, one on target. Like not good enough for the amount of the ball they had. Um, a rare off night, I thought, for Katrina Gorry um, and the midfield generally, which includes Kara Cooney-Cross, but more so Gorry, who I think is normally such a commanding presence. It felt like early days um, – it's felt like a, a team where you had a lot of players who have either are out of season or haven't been getting a lot of minutes. And I think if you actually cast your eye over this 11, bar, your, bar a few players, that was the case, right? It was cold. They struggled to gel. They looked scratchy. They lacked cohesion. It was all pretty, um, yeah, sort of rough and not a lot to like about it. Um, and then to top it all off, when they did create really good chances, they were stuffing them up. Um I think Mary Fowler said it really well post-game. Uh, yeah, Caitlin Torpy start, who I thought looked really energetic early and should have scored, and I think it was around the 21-minute the mark, but attempted to lay it off to Emily Van Egmond. Just with experience, you're a bit more selfish and you go yourself and, and you score. Um, and then you obviously have the plethora of chances. I think three big chances Emily Van Egmond had. I think you say that one's a sitter and two are ones that she, you'd normally say she'd bury or at least get on target. The, the hook shot. And the header, you'd say Van Egmond usually get him on target. The header in particular, I think you go probably should score that. Um, and then the sitter, um, I think she would be the first to admit that that's one she's completely left out there. Um, but thankfully, it didn't prove too costly. Like we've, um, I'm sure Marissa, it would have been for you looking at around the 60 minute mark or before this first goal goes in, going, seen this film before, <laughs> and I didn't like the ending. Um, Compared to a South Korea, Uzbekistan never really threatened on the counter. They never looked dangerous. It it did just feel like a matter of when rather than if the Matildas would score for mine. Like, especially as the second half wore on, they got tired. Um, and it was just a matter of um, getting the ball in the back of the net. But it didn't happen until – I'll let Angela uh, enter the fray here. 
Yeah, Michelle Herman. Michelle Herman came back and then she scored. <laughs> wow. Yeah, how exciting. And I think it was like a bit of a boost. Like you said, Harry, they came out um, in the second half. Just obviously Tony had gone full Malcolm Tucker in the change rooms. What are we doing here? Let's get some goals. And um, yeah, and so there was definitely a, a, a changed energy about the side. But I think, I don't know, it was cute. You could hear on the like um, broadcast as well, like fans getting around Michelle. She came on and like her teammates. I think that just brought a little bit of a boost in and of itself. But um, yeah, she got her first goal in like what the first seven minutes back on the pitch after six years away six years away from the Tillies um and obviously that's like lovely in and of itself but it seemed to like open the floodgates a little bit and we got um was it Mary Fowler's oh delicious goal after that and Ford's um great header as well so well done to Michelle Heyman that's so exciting um She's she, she's made my day. She's made my mum's day. I'm sure she's made her own mum's day. I'm sure she's made her day. It's 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 a delight. Um, but yeah, and I think it, it. Someone tweeted it. I think I can't remember who. Apologies, but to, just like getting it on the bonds of a very tall striker. Sometimes that's what you have to do. Dad, the AFC that's, baby. That's that's fine. That's fine. If it's what gets the job done, then so be it. But um, I think. And in terms of, like, yeah, for Emily Van Egmond, like you said, Harry, like, there were chances there. I think she'll be feeling pretty sore after that game. But in overall, like, this wasn't – it was a frustrating game in the sense, I think, because we we knew that we should have been, um, like, you know, having scored in the first half and we hadn't and that kind of thing. But it wasn't frustrating in that there, there was anything in terms of the lineup that was – like jarring or in terms of like how players were actually combining or meant to combine, if that makes sense. It just felt a bit rusty rather than there being um, any under kind of and any underlying issues. And I think that's a nice position to be in, to be like, okay, well, we've come out of this. We can score goals without Sam Kerr, which we always knew, but just having that proof, proof in the pudding, that's nice to come away, um, come away with the win and, you know, three goals in 12 minutes. It's a bit, bananas but at least we got it done um but yeah and Michelle I I'm just like stoked for her because you you never know until it kind of happens um but it's just yeah a great a great story and a great a great moment and yeah hopefully she can back it up on what is it Wednesday 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 in Melbourne that's gonna be I and now I'm thinking about like that's going to be really fun because it's going to be such a big crowd and um, a bit stress free maybe a bit of yeah a bit of the pressure off so people can just enjoy it and the players can enjoy it maybe um and and revel in that atmosphere a little bit more than if it was like everything was on the line so yeah thank God we didn't come away from this with a draw because um or a loss why did I even say that out loud that was terrible Angela I want to put the words back into my mouth anyway Marissa did you have any additional takes I had some fun stats uh Kira friend of the pod friend of friend of the pod Anno Dong who made sure to tell all of the football media for their articles that as you mentioned 
It's been a while since Michelle Heyman scored for the Matildas and Anne has the exact stats. So that was her 21st goal for Australia, which I think we spoke about like Heyman was in the Tilly set up for so long, but her actual goal return wasn't as high as we kind of thought it would be or it should be considering her quality. But it was her 21st goal for the Tillies last night and her first since the 9th of August 2016, where she scored against Zimbabwe at the Rio Olympics. So it's been a long time coming for Michelle Heyman. Um, it was absolutely insane. But my God, we we all kind of said it um, before we started. The introduction of Heyman and just like the immediate change, like the eye test immediately you were seeing like in colours. It was wild how much of an impact her inclusion instantly had on the way this team looked. And then obviously a few minutes later, we saw the impact of um, her inclusion on the way they played. And I think Caitlin Ford obviously needs to be included in that as well because she came onto the pitch around halftime-ish. We always knew Caitlin Ford was going to be important in this kind of curless world, but way to kind of overstate that importance, Caitlin, by doing what she did, getting that headed goal as well. I think um, we're always going to be a team that scores headers because we're always going to be a team that favours the wings and puts in crosses. It's just about making sure that A, the crosses are good and B, there is someone that's not like Hayley Razo or Katrina Gorey there to be on the end of these crosses. Um, So, yeah, I just, the, the really kind of, a so stark difference between the first half and the second half in terms of just look and feel and how this kind of um, attack operated was really, really um, obvious. But that's not to say, like I said, well, as Harrow said, actually, just Van Egmond was uh, um, today, but I still think there's... Um, value in having her play that role, but maybe it looks a little bit different. So I suggested I would have loved to have seen Heyman starting as your forward, but then a Van Egmond behind her. What would that look like? My first thought, my first thought is it would look a lot better for Van Egmond. And obviously, as she gets more and more into her NWSL season, you hope that um, any sort of rustiness or whatever can kind of be shaken off, and she can do what we know she can do for the Matildas. Um, The one person we probably need to speak about that we haven't just yet is Caitlin Torby, debutante, Matilda number 227. She played really well in the first half. She only played that first half, but I was really, really impressed with how she played. Were any of you surprised with where Tony deployed her? A little bit. Um, And then when I saw it actually happen, I was like, "Mm, actually, no, Uh, familiarity is often key with these Matildas. They love structure. You saw the lineup come out. I was like, oh, back five on the cards. Seems odd, but um, okay. And then when she did line up on the wing, I was like, I'm not actually that shocked. We've seen that one of those wings has often been used for, say, Tamiki Yellup or, um, you know, I could see if Chloe Legazzo plays, she easily probably slot into that as well. There's a bit of flexibility there it's not necessarily always two pure wingers um and she was she was very good what I liked was um and maybe this is by virtue of being 23 having a lot of senior football behind her now she's been informed she's played away from, from played well for Melbourne City that's earned her her move to San Diego you, you talk to anyone at Melbourne City or who knew her from young Matildas it's not always it's not necessarily been linear you know she had times at Brisbane Raw where she was barely playing she's had to really work for this and 
the thing that's always stood out um, from talking to people is her work rate and her want to get better, to ask questions, to um, to do what she needs to do to take her game to another level. It's a really good story of persistence and hard work because I, I don't know how many people would have necessarily expected her to kick on to this level. Like she's obviously highly rated playing junior national teams and the like, but when you look at the sort of fullback depth that's been around in Matilda, the, the Charlie Grant, that sort of thing, to earn her shot as a winger I think is really impressive and the left wing as well so she was, it was cutting onto her right and they did switch wings a fair bit early too I think Mary Fowler probably summed it up best that she did really well but just needs to be more selfish and Tony agreed with that as well like just got to take that chance and I think if she has a little bit more experience a little bit more confidence she's not looking to pass it off to the senior teammate and a new club teammate next next door and Emily Van Avon she's taking that shot um and I think that's probably the main thing she'll have taken away from that experience. I did I did like that Tony said it's it's brave to put in a debutante in a game like that. As much as it's finished 3-0, it was high stakes. It was not going to be easy. She'd never played with this group of players before, but I thought the way she slotted in, I know that things weren't perfect. They're never going to be when you don't have that existing chemistry and cohesion. But shows how, how much she impressed in training, um, the backing that she got from her senior teammates and her coaches to do that. Um, yeah, I thought she did really well. Um, a little bit unlucky to probably be the one to make way at halftime, but I think she was probably always going to be aware that if Caitlin Ford was going to be called upon earlier rather than later, it, it would have been her. Um, and I think had the Matildas been more efficient and ruthless in that first half or, you know, had a couple of goals under their belt early, Ford may well have been called upon later, if if at all, right? Um, but out of necessity, she did kind of have to come on to to kind of force that result. But, yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I, she felt sure-footed. Um She's never come across to me in the in the A-League women as like a clanger merchant or anything like that. She's very reliable. She works hard. She's got um, great turn of pace. She's um, smart on the ball. Uh, there's, there's plenty of like about her. And as I said, at, at 23, um, it was funny hearing Mary Fowler actually talk about her as a senior as a relatively senior player and she's younger than her. But it's, it's that sort of age where we often see, like with the US Women's National Team, unless they're sort of real prodigious talents, that's when you do crack it, right? Like... That's when you do earn these moves. And it's, I think hopefully we'll see more of that in the future if our own under-23s can become really strong and you see players, you know, earn senior call-ups off the back of form either for the 23s or the young Matildas and at club level, then that's that's where it's going to come in. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought a lot to like. And not to mention, um, and it's a little bit of a boot here for people who either chose not to understand this or didn't understand it and still were just kind of pricks online anyway. They can only wear numbers 1 to 22 in Olympic qualifying. That's how it works. Um, Sophie Harding's the unlucky 23rd player who gets left out. So if you only wear numbers 1 to 22, that means fun things like Kara Cooney-Cross can't wear 23 because she wore number 8, which, you know, Susa, she is a box midfielder. Um, it also means that someone had to wear the number 20. Um, I saw a similar thing with Alex Morgan being a late inclusion in the US squad the other day and wearing number seven instead of 13. For one thing, international jerseys don't get retired or put on hold or anything like that. That's just not how it works. And you, you speak to any of the players, that's what they say as well. Yeah, you have a preferred jersey that you wear when you're in there, but you're not always going to get it, right? Um, and someone had to wear Sam Kerr's jersey and um, all the players that didn't have one assigned had to pick one. And as the debutante... Oh, can't imagine too many were keen to grab Sam Kerr's number 20 jersey. It's fallen to Caitlin Torpy, 
Um, I really like that um, Sam Kerr actually commented on the post that congratulated her on her debut and said, you know, couldn't be a better number to wear for it um, or what a number to wear for it and congratulations. But to see some people comment being like, but isn't that Sam Kerr's jersey? Oh, we've got to hold it. Uh, and even there's some footage of Caitlin Torpy before the match saying, oh, there's going to be so much hate because I'm wearing this jersey. And credit to Katrina Gorey and um, and Hayley Razzo who sort of just say, man, it doesn't matter what number you're wearing. Like, who cares? Who cares? Like, move on um, with some nice leadership. But, yeah, she can't help what jersey she's wearing. She did well. Um, she certainly wasn't trying to be Sam Kerr. Uh, I don't think anyone ever expected that. Um, but, yeah, take it easy, people. Um can't necessarily pick which jersey she's going to wear and at some point in the future one day someone else is going to wear that number 20 on a full-time basis hopefully it's not for a long time but people need to chill out learn the rules get a grip and congrats to Caitlin Torpy sorry I'm just giggling at learn the rules get a grip and congrats to Caitlin Torpy <laughs> who did not need to get a grip she was uh she was very good she did great. Yeah, I agree. I think she looked very composed and for a debut, like, game, like, you can't really – I mean, there was obviously the the shot that she missed, but, like, a debut game. Again, um, taking that all into consideration, I thought that she looked very mature and, um, yeah, seemed to fit really easily in with this Tilly side. So I can't add much more than that. She did, she did good. Positive signs and yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm not going to try and add more than that. That's my thoughts. Well done, Caitlin Torpy. Good stuff. We did like it. Um, just to briefly add, I agree with what both you said about Michelle Heyman. Um, Ford was one player, but I thought it reminded me a little bit of. I know they're in very similar positions. Um, early in the Asian Cup, the men's watching Bruno Fornaroli come on, and it's like that striker's experience and nous. Like, as soon as Heyman came on, Uzbekistan looked scared, like, back on their heels. Like, this is a player, one, who's a threat at set pieces. Pace, she knows how to um, be a link-up player as well. She can play back to goal. She had one really lovely flick on onto the wing at one point that um, was just, yeah, just lovely. I thought she was fantastic. Um, and they did say, I'd love to see her start in Melbourne. I get the impression they're using her as a player to, to crack open tired defences at this point. Um, I don't think this is necessarily booked a ticket to – to Paris at this point. It's, it's been a really good audition. Um, but geez, just having an actual striker in there like just made such a difference. It it seemed to straighten everything up. Players knew what they were doing. Um, as I said, Emily Van Egmond's had a horror night in front of goal. I think if there's one thing you normally say about Van Egmond, whatever, you know, however you feel about her as a player or speed or whether she's a six or whatever, is I think across her 140-odd games for Matildas, she's generally proven to be a pretty clinical finisher that just wasn't there last night and when she didn't have the finishing it, it just made for a horror night for her um and you could tell when she came off she knew it was a missed opportunity right like but the contrast then when Heyman came on and had that striker's presence she I think headed over the bar within a minute of coming on and then for the goal just turned it onto the bar and then had that quick reflex and instinct to follow up and score um I, I just thought that's what they were missing, right? Um, but, geez, I also thought, like, especially after half time, and she's one of those players that hasn't had a heap of minutes. How good was Mary Fowler, right? I love that she had that chance. She created the chance that Van Egmond should have buried. I think she had a couple of those balls where it's like 
someone should have put it away and it's like she just went well fuck it <laughs> gonna do it myself then aren't I <laughs> and she gets that interception just dances between those defenders like they're not even there and then let's rip with that shot into the um into the bottom corner inside the near post just tucked away beautifully like she made that look so easy and it felt like we saw how hard she can hit the ball with that penalty against France it felt like the ball was going so fast but she barely even swung at it like it was um I think Andy Harper described it as she sort of stabbed at it um it was yeah just wonderful like what a player it felt like once she got the freedom to kind of dictate things and do what she wanted to do everything looked better like when she had control of the ball when she was getting time everything looked fantastic um I I felt like this was such a mature performance from her in that sense like things weren't going to plan for the Matildas especially in the first half but to to really step up and just say, you know what, I'm going to be the one that hits those passes, that creates, that unlocks a defence. Um, and to be fair to her, she should have done it earlier because, as I said, Van Eggman should have buried that other one. Just fantastic. She just plays beyond her years. It, it's scary to think how good she could be. The only word I had for her goal was zing because it just, like, you could imagine the ball actually, like, physically making that sound as it skidded across the pitch in Tashkent. Like, every time I've watched it, my brain has just gone zing because it's, like, I've only got two brain cells and that's what they've produced when watching that goal. But um, it was so unsurprising that that's the kind of goal she scored and I agree so much that... um, the more we can allow her to do her thing, obviously, the better it is for all of us. And God willing, Gareth Taylor also comes to the party on this because um, she absolutely falls into that category of players who aren't getting as much game time as we, as Australian fans, would like. Um, I also thought Hayley Razo kind of falls into that category. She hasn't had a lot of game time at Madrid and... She was, I think, one of those ones that falls into the category of it was frustrating to watch her, but you like there was an explanation as to why everything was a little bit off. Um, and I think especially when she was out on the right, obviously, you've already mentioned it, Ellie Carpenter just deciding, I'm I am fullback, wing back, winger, I'm gonna lurk in the box, I'm gonna do everything, I'm gonna be everywhere. Um, it almost kind of glossed over Razo's um, shakiness or rustiness, whatever you want to call it, for this game. So um, that was fun to watch. I do love it when Ellie Carpenter gets forward because sometimes I'm like, girl, once once you learn how to finish, you're going to be unstoppable. No one is going to stop you. You are going to just, like, be ridiculous and it's going to be so much fun for all of us to watch. Um, I also So I felt really bad. I was like, we should talk about the defence, but it's like... They, they handled everything they had to do and that to-do list was very little. Um, mm. People kept joking that someone needs to get Mackenzie Arnold a jacket because she's literally just standing in, like, single-digit weather, hanging I out. I hope she's defrosted. I hope she's good. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I did feel for the defense a little bit after a couple of those. I think it was especially after Van Egmond's chance where for a little bit there, it just descended into silliness. Like mm. a few of the forwards and midfielders, Katrina Gori was among these, giving away needless free kicks. And there was some sloppy turnovers and that. Just putting a defense that had, you know, been very calm and not needed to really do too much under pressure. And like credit to them for holding sway. It was sort of a five, six, I'm not sure if you remember this, Marissa, five or six minutes of just a bit silliness um, where it, you know, silly free kicks getting given away, unnecessary pressure. Mackenzie Arnold stepped up each time. Hunt and Kennedy. I thought Alana Kennedy bar a very shaky um, sliding tackle in the first half that probably should have got her a yellow. And if you had a very, very, uh, very um, tiggy touch with ref, could even have potentially got a send off. I wouldn't have thought so, but it probably should have at least been a yellow. Um, was very good. I thought Kennedy was stepping up. I think one thing that's been missing from her, her game that was a real feature early in her career was the way she steps into midfield and likes to run with the ball and open things up. And it's so important when you've got teams that are trying to sit back to have someone that's so aggressive like that. Um, and I thought she was fantastic. Like she just looked commanding for someone who's not played a heap recently because of a calf injury. Fantastic. Claire Hunt just doesn't, it's a beat. Um, Shout out to her um, shot from halfway when things were a bit frustrating at one point. Had that gone in, it might have, uh, yeah, we might have all lost our minds. But I agree with you, Marissa. I, I thought, and I think she was, she wasn't the official player of the match. She might have been the, the FA one, was Ellie Carpenter. One of the best games she's played since coming back from that ACL. I, I just thought she was everywhere. She was linking up, strong defensively, going on some of those wonderful runs, creating, linking up. Um, Probably should have had some assists in there. Probably could have scored with that flying header near the end. Just um, lovely to see her get back to her best. And I also like that she was replaced in about the 80th minute by um, by Charlie Grant just to sort of give her a few minutes off. Um, she just looks like she's building and building really nicely. Um, the one thing that I liked, and it was a bit of honesty from Tony, was how many goals they left out there. Um, he seemed pretty uh, frustrated by that. And it sounds like the players were too, like – I know they had so many chances, but you got to bury them, right? Um, they have all but qualified for Paris. But 3-0, it could have easily been 6, 7. Like, should have probably been 3-0 by half time, um, or at least 2-0. Like, you got to take these chances. It should have, there should have been several goals going before Heyman has to do the, the heavy lifting to, to get things underway. Um, yeah, shooting boots for, for everyone, I think. Um, there were more than a few culprits. I think a few of them would have... Uh, like to have had their time again in front of goal. Um, and, yeah, but if that's your, your biggest complaint, then it's all good. It's I think they're always going to tire Uzbekistan and um, away goals are important, we know, in this two-legged system. And they can go into Melbourne, as we said, and feel maybe not fully relaxed, but just uh, a little bit of the pressure's off. There's not such a heavy burden at hand. And I'm going to be really interested to see uh, what the rotation situation is whether they turn to Heyman, I think they quite like her off the bench, whether there's some change-ups in, in midfield or in defence or anything like that just to protect a few of these players. It, it seems like Caitlin Ford in particular is being looked after. Do they look to do a similar approach with Ellie Carpenter, given she just gets played all the time by Leon? Steph Catley, uh, I know you want to make the most of having these players. I, I wouldn't be the one to tell Steph Catley she couldn't start in Melbourne, to be fair. Um, but... You wonder if some of these um, these changes will happen. Just with the tight turnaround as well, they were going straight from um, Uzbekistan to Dubai after the match, and then today, Sunday, they were going to fly from Dubai to, to Melbourne. And funnily enough, on the same plane as Uzbekistan, they're all going to travel together. 
I quite like to imagine just the two the two splits, a bit like the AFL teams in COVID when they were all flying up and back together. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to have at least taken some of some of that pressure off. And you feel like maybe for a few of those players it was a little bit of rust and, and coming back together for the first time in a while. And yeah, the the goals could well really flow in this second match. Hell yeah, that's what we want. Oh, play friends. Massive show. Massive show. Um, yeah, just the final count was 27 shots, nine on target. And I've lost count of how many games we've had like that in the Tony era. Um, some of them wins, some of them losses. Um, and my thought is mainly just like the second we learn to consistently score first half goals to then have the kind of the buffer, the the karma, um, and everything that kind of comes with scoring a goal in the first half and then also capitalising on pouncing on a tired defence, it's over for the rest of the world. Over. Um, so hopefully that comes. Um, but, Harry, you've kind of started what my final question was going to be, which is about this second game in Melbourne on Wednesday night. Um, do you think that this 3-0 win changes at all how Tony is going to approach things? Are you expecting rotation? Should players be given a rest? Should we start thinking about, you know, um, addressing the problems that we saw at the World Cup in terms of running players ragged by, you know, inserting like a Claire Wheeler into the midfield with a Gori or a Cooney cross to see how that works or inserting an Amy Sayer with the kind of first string um, attack to see how that works. Do you expect that? Or do you think Tony's going to go, no, this is an Olympic qualifier. We need first string 11 again to can <laughs> easily see, can easily see the latter happening. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think there will be not necessarily some change. I don't think we'll see like a first string 11 play 90, if that makes sense. I could easily see like a bunch of substitutions at halftime. You know, get a couple of goals, shore it up all together. Because I imagine after the first half they played, they will want to say, "We are." I think we can all pretty not fully assume that qualifications all but secured. But when you go on paper three nil, it's not actually, it's not five, right? <laughs> Bit of quick maths for you guys. Um, three goal lead isn't as big as a five goal lead. Um, I could easily see some changes. Um, I don't know. I'll be interested to see if Van Egmond gets back to start again. She's the vice captain of this, one of the two vice captains, with Ellie Carpenter, who, yeah, um, impressive ascension. Um, feel a little bit for Charlie Grant at this point, though. If you're going to crack into the team, you've got to effectively dislodge both the captain and the vice captain, um, who were both excellent, actually, to be fair, last night. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see the approach whether Van Egmond keeps her spot or whether as a striker, you know, at the end of the day you can do all the other things, but your main goal is to to score goals. Um, if they make a change because of that or if they, yeah, make any other change. That was Vincho in the background just yawning. I wasn't sure if it was Vincho or your stomach. No, <laughs> I ate breakfast. Vincho's around here somewhere and he just sort of goes, mm. it's a big, like, big stretch. Oh. God bless. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Anyway, thanks, Vincho. Um, where was I? Yeah, whether Van Avon keeps her spot will be interesting. How much rotation? I think they'll play Hunt and Kennedy together again because, I, as I've said, they've still not got that many games together. I thought they were super impressive. I think you want to get them some time on the ball. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I quite like the Ivy Lewitt came on to see out that game. Um, I wonder if they'll do a similar approach with um, with Hunt in the second one, given she's got a pretty heavy schedule at PSG. Um, yeah, in midfield, the difficult thing is they had a re- relatively poor game as a combination, Kara Cooney-Cross and Katrina Gorey. So do you go back to the well there to try and inspire a bit of form or do you say Katrina Gorey's had a hectic schedule? Let's bring in Claire Wheeler. Personally, I'd love to see a bit of Cooney-Cross and Wheeler together as a midfield because... Um, Gory is such a rough and ready player that you just think she's going to get kicked a lot. We saw in the World Cup the fatigue that can have. When it comes to the actual Olympics, assuming they're there, rotation is going to be needed. So I would like to see Wheeler play a good chunk. Um, and if it's not Wheeler, I'd like another midfield change. I hope we see a bit more of Caitlin Torpy. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think well, it depends on how much Caitlin Ford can play. would like to see Amy Sayer get a run. Um Maybe she could be the one to start instead of a Van Engman, maybe. We'll see. But, yeah, I think a lot of people would like to see Heyman start in Melbourne, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen because I think she may have made a run for her own back by being so good off the bench against the tired defence and just causing some chaos. Um, I would like to see Chloe Legazzo, actually. That's someone who I would like to see in Melbourne. I think the work that she's put in to get back to this point, I think provided... And you can usually assume she has all done all the work in training, knowing what her character's like. It would be good to see her get a bit of a run at it and not just 10 minutes off the bench, just to show what she can do and where she actually fits in in this structure. Because since she was last in Matilda's regular, they have gone to the, you know, the the 4-2-2-2 or however you like to look at it, 4-2-4, like <laughs> the wingers situation. And where she, where they actually see her fitting in, because she's played as sort of a secondary striker at Western United, which, when you think about it, should actually work with the Matildas with the way they like to play as a second player in behind an Emily Van Engwand or a Michelle Heyman or an Amy Sayer or whoever. I'd like to see that and see what you can get out of her, because you know she's that hard pressing, hard running type, and she also has a goal in her as well. She's in great goal scoring form. So yeah. I would like to see some changes. I don't think wholesale changes to the eleven is necessarily what's going to happen, but I would like to see good use of the bench, not only to protect players, but to give players a good half hour plus to actually show what they can do. That was what I liked, actually. I will briefly mention it. Um, was that I was thinking when it's like at Van Egon's missed that chance, I'm like, and we're not going to see Michelle Heyman come on till the 70th or 75th minute to change this. I thought Tony making the change on the hour mark was really important. And we know Ford came on at 45. It gave players a bit of time to get to work. Michelle Heyman didn't need much time to get to work, but if you can have that extra 10 minutes to make an impact, Michelle Heyman scores inside 10 minutes of coming on. You go into that sort of last 20 minutes of the game, a lot of pressure's off because you found the goal. You're not, I feel like as the game winds down, you get more scrambly, it gets tighter, defences get more packed, then it gets more and more stressful. Obviously, the earlier you can get a goal, the better. So I think I would like to see more of that, the, the earlier change the proactive change rather than the reactive change. Um, it, it felt like an obvious change to make, bringing Heyman on, and um, it was the right time to do it. Like, once it became clear it wasn't going to be Van Egwen's night from a scoring perspective, then the change had to be made, right? So I, I like that. I hope we see more of that. So. Your guys Angela, thoughts? what would you like to see? Michelle Heyman. No, that's too basic an answer. Yeah, like to see Hammy. I I agree with you, Harriet Legazzo. That would it would be great to see her get some minutes. Um, 
I'd like to see Amy Sayer get a bit of a run. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's not too much to complain about in terms of like big adjustments. It's more just like seeing how, yeah, how players like a, a Legazo would work in this kind of current setup and um, just excited for her generally, just to see her back out on the field. So that's just like a good vibes vote from me. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's about it from from me. I, I we know that I I I don't know what to expect from Tony at this point because we could say all this and be like, oh, he'll go with like a pretty you know recognizable starting eleven, or we might see just a compl- like quite a quite different starting eleven. I don't know. I I I can't read that man's mind. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Michelle Heyman. I think it was interesting seeing her start. I I would be interested to see how she goes because I guess that's kind of what she's been doing at um, club level recently. So she hasn't really been utilised in that super sub kind of way that we saw in, in this game. So how she goes running out like a half or, or that kind of thing would be interesting. But I do think that, you know, that's a, like a very substantial opportunity if she does start to be like, okay, let's back this up kind of thing. Um, Like, do you want to be on that? that plane to Paris, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, um, I, my brain has gone blank and I've forgotten every single player in the squad. Hang on. Give me a second. Uh, no. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't have too much more to add. Torpy, I think another opportunity, but I, again, we've got, a couple of other faces that would be good to see how they they'll go. So, uh, I feel like I feel very co- like comfortable and confident after seeing her in her debut. So I'm like, I don't necessarily need to see her in terms of like, oh, let's give her a second chance. I think she like kind of established what she can do pretty comprehensively in this game. So, but it would just be it's just like in that might be nice column kind of thing, um, because I do think yeah like. Harris touched on there are a couple of players who are a bit more rusty and maybe the priority would be to get them out there again and get some of that um dust away some of the cobwebs instead of uh testing new players I don't even know what I'm saying at this point I'm just like it would be nice to see Michelle Heyman play again <laughs> that's the I think I think the other point that people are forgetting is um well not forgetting but just like sort of bypassing is there's going to be games again before the Olympic squad is chosen we know there's the Mexico friendly, more windows, more training camps. Like this isn't the only audition. It's an important one, but there will be more. Um, I think that's uh, for players like Heyman, Legazo, Torpy, a Courtney Nevin who's been left out of this squad. There will be those other windows. Um, I, I really don't envy them trying to cut this down to 18, the most fucked squad size in all of international football. I'd also um just quickly now I've actually got my notes up. I put them in the wrong section of my one note. That's why things are going to shit for me right now. Um Claire Wheeler. I would like to like what what's she doing there? What why why Claire Wheeler? We love Claire Wheeler. Uh so yeah, I'd just like to see her get some minutes and kind of get a bit of an understanding of her role in this squad because if she's kind of there to provide depth, we haven't really seen that put into action recently um 
again, I don't know if that's something that you might do in a more low-key game. I'm not sure uh, where there's not so much on the line. But, um, yeah, I miss her. Don't it means at some point she's got to be tested in a high-stakes game, right? Like, we've seen already mm. what happens if you just rely on Cooney Cross and Gory to get tired. Like, I, w- I genuinely wouldn't mind seeing or would like to see, even if it's for a half in the next game. Like, although, you know, the game's effectively done, like, I want to see Cooney Cross and Wheeler play together. Like, I was talking to Kara Cooney Cross the other day, and I was like, have you thought about, like, at some point, and maybe in the very near future, it could be as soon as after these Olympics, Katrina is going to retire, and you're going to have to leave this midfield. She's like, yeah, to be honest, that scares me a bit. Hadn't really thought about it, uh, but, you know, I'll deal with it when it comes. And it's like, well. <laughs> Why are you giving the baby intrusive thoughts, Arrow? She'll be right. She'll be right. Katrina Gore will play as long as she wants to. Um, but that is going to be a real thing that happens at some point, right? And Claire Wheeler seems like an obvious example of a player. I know Amy Sayer can play midfield as well, but this sort of run-and-gun style that the Matildas are playing at the moment, Wheeler can go box-to-box. She's smart. She does defensive work. We do need to see these two play together at some point to know if it works because sometimes the combinations don't. Like sometimes you're all very idealistic and like, well, this player and this player can work together and sometimes that doesn't happen. And we need to, you know, we need to know if it will. Alex GX not in the frame at the moment. Um, she's played with Cara at Melbourne Victory in the past. They're two sort of different midfielders as well. We know she's very energetic. Um, Claire Wheeler is another one that we've obviously just been talking about. We are going to have to see it at some point. It would be good to see it for at least part of this game in Melbourne next week. Nothing else just to give Katrina Goria a little rest given how much she's already playing at, uh, at West Ham since she started there. A hundred percent. That's what it is. Um, We've got three international windows before the Olympics. We've got one in April, one in May and one in June. So there is time, but just not a lot of it. So that's why I feel like there does need to be some conscious effort to work towards working things out in this game in Melbourne. But um, the only other thing I wanted to mention, which is silly, is that, uh, as we've mentioned, it was like snowing in Tashkent. It was single digits. Everyone had their gloves. Everyone had their short, uh, long sleeves, except for Ivy Lewick, who just ran out onto the pitch in short sleeves. And I'm like, that woman has gone full Sweden if she is running out <laughs> in short sleeves. Um, in this, No gloves from memory. She was just like, this is this is barbecue weather. This is picnic weather. Like, what are you guys talking about? So um, that tickled me very much um, to watch that. But I think that's us done for today. I just yes, I just want to say I don't know how they before I wrap things up. Oh. I was just going to say what I don't know how have the things to people say, do Satan. it to go from like very very cold to mm-hmm. like balmy Melbourne spring. I just that will be interesting mm-hmm. to see if that has an impact on yeah. players. Just international air travel. It's incredible. We did that as a as a human race and now we get international football. Anyway, yeah. that's just some ponderings there, but yeah. And hopefully Melbourne turns on the good weather and not Melbourne spring weather because I don't like her. Anyway. Mhm. And fair enough, all of us will have to contend with Melbourne weather on Wednesday, the 28th of February. We have an 8pm kickoff Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So make sure you've 
printed out your tickets, got them onto your wallet on your phone or you're settling in in front of the couch to watch it on 10. But otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll obviously have a chat to you after that game as well. But we're always over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Spotify and Apple and everywhere you get your podcasts. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and see you.